With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome, everyone, to the Never Say Die podcast. I'm your host, TJ, and with me, and as always, is our NHL analyst and expert, the grumpy old man. They say there's no shame in this game because he's always the same. That's me. Now, grumpy, we actually have some Islander news on a few different fronts. Um, I guess less interesting, uh, Ia Sorokin will have a final conclusion, it looks, to see on what the NHLPA and the NHL are going to agree upon within the next week or so. Is that correct, grumpy old man? That's what Arthur Staple is reporting, uh, that there should be some resolution um, to this issue of letting players sign at the end of the season, um, which the NHL just kind of, in their infinite wisdom, just said no, that we're going to cut that short. And uh, they said that something should be resolved by the end of this week coming up. And a couple of agents who are not familiar, and this is once again uh, due to Staples reporting, uh, said a couple of agents who are not involved in the Soroka at all. Sorokin, uh, yeah. Right. So I'm sorry. Yes, Sorokin at all uh, said that they believe that the league is going to back down, given that the rules existed for several years. And you think about it, even last year, Cal McCarr signed with the Avalanche right of the NH, uh, right of the uh, NCAA. And, uh, he played in the playoffs and had an impact last year. So since it only affects a handful of players, uh, perhaps it's going to go the Islanders way. We can only hope. Well, I was about to say, you kind of see that on a yearly basis. And it's not always that the majority of those guys who do sign uh, towards the end of the season, either from a, a college team or from the KHL, it's not like they always go ahead and make an impact. But usually that's, again, the status quo that it is allowed um, so the NHL arbitrarily deciding that, no, we're not going to go ahead and continue with that this season. Um, you have to figure that they're going to back down on this one, especially uh, the NHLPA have to figure is going to win that dispute. And within the next week, hopefully, uh, Ia Sorokin will be signed or will all, all signs will be pointing to him moving to the New York Islanders here for this next upcoming season. Well, signing for the remainder of this season so he can be a restricted, quote-unquote, free agent next season and earning a little bit more to go ahead and entice him to stay long-term. Right. The, the whole thing is they want to burn his last entry year deal. Uh, this calendar year for you know the 2019-20 season, and that would uh, let them negotiate anew starting for next year, correct? Exactly, because he would have to have that that one year on the entry-level contract, and then he could be that restricted free agent and start to earn actual money. Yeah. Um, more than 900000 or 950000 whatever that, that arbitrary number is. Um, but Grumpy, I want to talk about a subject that has picked up a little bit of, 
a little bit of traction here um, in the hockey community. Uh, as no, as to no surprise for most NHL fans, the number one overall pick in this year's draft is to be determined. Yeah, and what that means uh, is that one of the teams that's in the playoff. Uh, uh, first round, the, the, like the bottom eight teams, uh, won the draft lottery. We don't know who it is. Um, and it makes you wonder, Do would you want to tank or lose the first round of playoffs? If you don't see yourself as a viable Stanley Cup contender, would you want to lose that first round with the potential that you'd get the first round pick? I was about to say, right now, Right now, you've got a one in eight chance to have the number one overall selection in this year's draft. Pretty good, twelve and a half percent, something like that, right? Well, yeah, especially if you know you're one of the teams that doesn't really have a chance. I I can completely understand them taking a different approach, but in the same token, these are all professional athletes, and I don't, I don't, I don't foresee them doing that. But to look at it from a fan's aspect, you have to kind of like those odds, right? If your team gets knocked out. At least you do have, all right, well, maybe we've got a chance here at this number one overall selection. And I'll be honest, Grumpy, at least Lou Lamarillo building in top three protected <laughs> and, and the trade there for Jean-Gabriel Pajot might actually wind up working out in her favor if, if the Islanders get bounced in the first round. At least, you know, if that pick were to be designated to them, they wouldn't lose that first overall selection. Yeah, well, for me, worst case scenario is the Islanders – beating Florida, and then them saying, oh, um, well, nope, we got to do a redra- uh, a uh, re-pull on the uh, the ping-pong balls. That would be worst-case scenario. <laughs> well, unless unless the Islanders win the Stanley Cup, right? Yeah, the Islanders are not winning the Stanley Cup. You never know. You never know. We've talked about it, Grumpy. There's a lot of things that can change. Okay, but would, let me ask you a question. Do you think the Islanders have better than a 12% chance of winning the Stanley Cup? I'm not sure. I would say probably not. Okay. Just because yeah. just it's just because of the multitude of teams that are in. If they win the first round, depending how they look, I could definitely see that being a possibility. Remember, when we're talking about this NHL Stanley Cup playoffs this season, it is going to be a complete Wild West showdown. Whatever team gets hot first and whatever goalie finds the rhythm first is going to be the team to beat. Yeah, so that doesn't bode well for us either because neither one of our goalies have looked super great this year. Um, well, if you look again at the beginning of this season, we were on that, was it 24-1 and one streak or something like that? I cannot remember. It's been so long, Grumpy, and I haven't been making reference to it on a, a daily, on a weekly podcast basis. But we did have a very, very hot start to the season this year. Yeah. Um, and again, like – you should never go in with the expectation of, yes, we should go ahead and maybe consider losing to, to have a chance at this first overall selection. Well, I, I don't say consider losing, but I'm just wondering if you're a team that really does not have a realistic chance of winning the Stanley Cup for whatever reason, uh, and you're saying, gosh, you know what? We'd be picking you know, 10, 11, 12, whatever, wherever, and we could get the first pick in the draft. Uh, I mean, what about Pittsburgh, for instance, right? I mean, they potentially have a chance to win the first pick in the draft too. I mean, think about that. I mean, just uh, I think it, I think it's pretty exciting, honestly, for whoever it is. Um, but 
as you remember, what I said, what I thought how the playoff, how the uh, ping pong ball should have been done is the teams, the first seven that were definitely not qualifying for the playoffs, they should have been the only seven teams that qualified for a chance to get the first round pick. Everybody else after that should have just been fighting for whatever after the, after the fact. And I'm glad you bring this up. I, I do kind of agree on that. But I want to talk about the NHL draft lottery in general. Now, if this doesn't show you how flawed the draft lottery concept is, I don't know what does, right? In this particular scenario, and we can argue about the percentage and the odds and how that should have been skewed a little differently uh, in this particular instance, in this season specifically, but you're going to have a team (laughs) that's competing for the Stanley Cup who could potentially lose in the first round that could get the first overall selection in this year's draft. I don't know. It's just kind of baffling. And I understand the reason why the NHL has the NHL draft lottery and the same exact reason why the NBA has the NBA draft lottery. They want to try to go ahead and keep those bottom those bottom feeder teams, quote unquote, competitive. Well, I'm going to put it to you like this, grumpy old man. I do not like the NHL draft lottery or the NBA draft lottery. I'm not a fan of, not a fan of the draft lotteries. I enjoy the draft lottery. Uh, the reason why they were put into effect is teams were tanking. Um, you know, down the end of the season. Uh, I think it started with the Penguins tanking for uh, Mario Lemieux way back. And, I mean, you don't want teams tanking. And there's ways to do it. It's like, okay, we're not going to play our best players. We're going to play AHL players under the premise, hey, we're not winning this year. Let's see what we have for next year, whatever. There are ways to do that. To me, the way it should, I mean, I like I like the draft lottery, but I think it should be weighted more towards the bottom teams. I mean, let's be honest. Detroit's the worst team in the league, right? Them in Ottawa? Yeah. I mean, they should have, to me, instead of 25% chance of winning that first pick, maybe 50, you know, 50%. Uh, I just think the numbers need to be a little bit skewed more towards the teams that are really bad. Um, That's just me. I mean, I could see where, you know, you get lucky and somebody pops and gets the first pick every once in a while. But for the majority of the time, the team with the worst record should get the number one pick. Well, I'll put it to you like this. The Detroit Red Wings were the worst team. Well, again, if this season was able to be played throughout its entirety, they had a chance to be the worst team in the history of the NHL. And to think that they wouldn't get the first overall selection is criminal. And, I mean, like you look back on it, it's even happened in the NBA. I believe it was the Charlotte Hornets at the time. I know, Or maybe it was the, the Charlotte Bobcats. I can't remember. You know, they switched their team up, and I don't remember exactly what year it was. But I think it was the the Charlotte Bobcats had the worst winning percentage in that abbreviated NBA season. I think it was a partial lockout or something of that nature. But it was an abbreviated season, and they had the worst winning percentage in the history of the NBA. And they did not win the draft lottery and had the second overall selection. And it was just funny enough that the, the New Orleans Pelicans, I believe it was, they happened to win. The, or maybe they were the New Orleans Hornets still at that time period. I can't remember. But whatever team was in New Orleans, um, they happened to win, quote-unquote, the draft lottery, which happened to be Anthony Davis while that team was still partially owned by the NBA. So I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of Tom Fooley that can go on with the draft lottery. And I'll put it like this, Grumpy. You talk about teams wanting to prevent or the NHL wanting to prevent teams from tanking. Those teams are tanking to begin with. I, I don't know. When I hear the, the the idea of tanking, I just don't think it exists in sports to a certain extent. 
I really don't. I think they already do that even with the draft lottery. Because yeah. if you look at it, just take a glance at what, what happens at the trade deadline. The majority of those bottom feeder teams, if they have any talent on their roster, they're going to try to trade that talent away to, to acquire some type of draft capital. And after they have those vacant spots, that's when you see a lot of those AHL guys and guys that are tweeners, quote unquote, getting their chance. And they're kind of testing out to see what they have for next season. That happens on a yearly basis, even with the NHL draft lottery in place. Yeah, but I mean, you can trade, you're trading assets to try to improve your team in the future. I look at tanking as, okay, a guy was hurt a little bit. We're going to sit him out the rest of the year. Uh, we're just going to play a bunch of AHL guys regardless of talent level. I mean, you look at Detroit, right? They're picking fourth in this current scenario, and they were by far the worst team in the league. It's criminal. It's criminal. Well, that's what I'm saying. If you if they're, if there was a greater chance for the worst team, like a 50% chance as opposed to only 25, I think that's a little bit more fair. I think there's too many teams involved, uh, potentially in the draft lottery, maybe the first pick. You can only move up. I, I think there's a thing where you can only move up so many spots. Um, but I don't think you should be able to move up more than a couple of spots, uh, no matter where you are. Uh, like I said, Detroit is historically bad, and they certainly got the short end of the stick on this uh, on this draft lottery. But this is uh, let's let's take Detroit as an example. They didn't do anything specific to tank this season. Would would you classify them as doing anything specifically to tank to increase their their odds at the number one overall selection? No. I mean, it's very limited the odds that you get, even if you're the worst team in the NHL, right? And they were the worst team in the history of the league. They did the same exact team, the same exact thing that all the other teams that are struggling at the bottom of the NHL do. They traded off whatever assets they had at the trade deadline, acquired some draft capital, and those younger guys in the AHL or those tweeners are getting, quote unquote, their chance to make a mark in the NHL. And this happens on a consistent year in and year out basis, even with the NHL draft lottery in place. My argument is even if you were to abolish the NHL draft lottery, it's not going to affect the competitive level to that much of an extent. Yeah, but it's the management is what we're talking about, not the players. It's the management. If the management say, okay, gosh, we're real close, you know, with five games to go, we're three points ahead uh, for the worst record in the league, they could finagle the lineup they put out there to guarantee that they don't win, that the you know they won't get points from it. I mean, that that's what the league's trying to really wants to stop. They don't they want that. Like I said, back when Mario was the big ticket, that was the scuttlebutt was that Pittsburgh definitely tanked uh, to make sure that they got him first overall. Well, the thing is, the way contracts are are, le are levied in today's game, grumpy old man, there's only so many people you can quote-unquote healthy scratch or you can go ahead and send down if they have a two-way contract. I mean, there's only so many people you can healthy scratch and have on the roster available. It's just how it works. But if a guy's on injured reserve or, you know, they say, okay, he's not healthy enough to play, we're going to put him on uh, injured reserve for a week or something and just bring up some other players, There's there's ways they can do it. There's certainly a way, and it's it, like I said, I don't. It's not a player thing; it's a management thing. It's I'm not. I'm not saying the players don't play hard. I think they all do. Anyone out there, but it's a management thing where they, you know, the coaching staff is okay. You know, let's give Johnny over here a try. Yeah, we know what we have in this guy, and it's not necessarily your your big players, but these, like I said, these teams are they're not don't have a whole lot of talent anyway. So, 
you say, okay, we're going to rest, you know, the guy who's on his second line and we're going to put in some rookie or something like that. There's, there's a million ways to do it. Yeah, I agree. And I don't, again, if you're looking at the last few games of the season, every single one of those bottom tier teams would do that. Right. And again, I don't have an issue with it. The players, no matter what, and I do agree with you on this point, and some people argue with me against this, but the players are always going to give it 110%. The players never tank. I've heard people say, yeah, the players tank. Oh, they really don't look They really don't look interested. They're tanking out there. They don't. Every single one of those players are fighting for their livelihood, no matter if they're an NHL superstar or if they're an AHL guy trying to break the roster. Every single one of those young men are out there trying to earn themselves a spot and trying to continue to earn themselves a paycheck. They don't, yeah. they don't tank. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. But now you can also say, and you've seen it, when a team has no chance of making the playoffs, that extra, that little something extra doesn't seem to be there for a lot of players when you're just playing at the string. And that's with any sport. You just kind of get frustrated. Just, you just kind of want the season to be over. Yeah, and those younger players that get called up that might necessarily not have as much quote-unquote talent – those guys are going to be given 110% because they're fighting for their chance. And that's what I'm saying. Even though they might not have the talent that some of these other guys do have, if they quote-unquote get sat or get put on injury reserve, they're going to make up for it with more effort. I understand effort can't always go ahead and outdo talent because some talent is just unnatural and you can't match it or replicate it. But in the same token, that type of effort that some players can go ahead and put in towards the bottom end of the stretch, I would argue – comes close to matching that natural talent. Well, like I said, I just, I am a proponent of the draft lottery because it's exciting for the fans. I do agree. It is very exciting for the fans. I just don't think it's exciting for the organization. I just don't think it's fair all of a sudden. I just don't think it's, I'm sorry, not all of a sudden. I just don't think it's as fair as it should be. Well, I mean, like I said, I think it's here to stay. I don't think they're getting rid of it. So, TJ, you just better get over it. I don't, I don't think they're getting rid of it either. But if they're not, and I don't think they are, it needs the percentages and the odds need to be restructured because what we saw this year is just criminal. Even if the Islanders were to lose in the first round and to get the first overall selection, I obviously I'm happy as an Islander fan, but I still think that's criminal as to what happened to those bottom-tier teams. And I get it tries to keep everything competitive, but in the same token, I just think it's wrong. I mean, you're you're talking about the Detroit Red Wings, the worst team possibly in the history of the NHL, in the history of the NHL. They're going to have the fourth overall selection in this year's draft. That's criminal. It really is. Yeah, I don't think they were the the worst team in the history of the NHL. um, They're going to have the least amount of points for an 82-game season if they were to play all 82 games averaged out. Well, I I don't know. I mean – Washington was really horrific bad their first year. I think they only had eight wins. It doesn't matter. Um, and as far as it being a crime, I would consider it more of a misdemeanor as opposed to a felony. But we can kind of <laughs> let that. And seeing that it's a first offense for the Islanders winning the draft lottery, um, I think we'll just let them off with a slap on the wrist and we'll take the first overall pick. I'm not, I'm not complaining about the Islanders. I just I'm looking at it from I'm trying to look at it from an objective NHL fan or just a fan of the NHL and the uh, the entire National Hockey League in general. I mean, the Detroit Red Wings played 71 games this year and had 39 points, grumpy old man. They Again, they were on pace. If they played their last 11 games, they, ha- they were on pace to have the least amount of points in an 82-game season in the history of the league. 
given I know we talked about it before, maybe they weren't the worst team in the NHL, despite their point total being extremely low and possibly the lowest in history of the NHL. The issue I have again, though, is that that team is going to have the fourth overall selection in this year's draft. I'm not a Detroit Red Wing fan, but if I was, I would be straight up livid and pissed about it. Yeah, well, like I said, if they changed the percentages that someone had to get it, it wouldn't be the case. Like I said, to me, if you're the worst team in the league, um, it should be 50, 50%. And I think it's only 25%, one out of four. So for me, I, I think that it should be 50% for the worst team in the league. Then it's 50-50. If you get it or you don't, where, you know, you got a team who's got one ping pong ball winds up winning the whole thing. It's going to happen sometimes, but more times than not, it's not. But, I mean, you see in the NHL every year, usually the team with the worst record does not get the first overall pick. And, and again, like that drives me insane because they're they're not – like in the current environment they have, they're not tanking, right? This is what the draft lottery is supposed to do. They're, they're trying to prohibit people from tanking. And the team that's still the worst in the NHL still doesn't get the first overall selection. I don't know. It just – I know they're not going to abolish the NHL draft lottery. I would love for them to. They're not going to. But they at least need to look at restructuring the percentages and the odds. I mean, if it's I would I would have much less of an issue if it's, you know, only the the five worst teams in the NHL and the NHL had a chance to win the first overall selection and every other team had no shot. I have no issue with that. I mean, it just needs to be reallocated to where the really bad teams are always going to have that first overall selection. And it's not a team like potentially the New York Islanders could have the first overall selection. Obviously it benefits us, but if that were to happen, I mean, it's just criminal. Yeah. Uh, like I said, for me, if you want to adjust the percentages, yes, I'm all for that. If you want to say, if you get between this point total and this point total, uh, you know, that's how you qualify for one of the top, you know, two or three picks, that's fine too. There's other ways around that. But, I mean, you see a team that's got 31 points. I mean, they should be almost a shoe-in to get that first pick. And, you know, if you have a team that has 80 points and doesn't qualify for the playoffs, another team that has 30, I think that uh, there should be a sliding scale on uh, who can get that first overall pick. But it is what it is. And I think it's, I mean, I, it's big news for the NHL. It got them back of the news uh, just because we don't know who has the first pick in the draft, which, you know, that gets everyone talking about the league. Look, it did it for us today, right? So, Well, I'll tell you one thing. I don't think it gets people talking about the league for the right reasons. It's the same exact thing where every single year you see these discussions, you know, talking about how the NBA draft lottery is just terrible for the league. It's a year-in, year-out basis, and it's – I mean, like, I, I think even though the, the NHL is in the news, I think it's for the wrong reasons. I mean, that's not what you want to see happen. And it, it was a big deal. I had friends texting me who have never watched a hockey game in their entire life saying, what does this mean? Explain to me why is this so important? And I did. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's kind of messed up. I'm like, yeah, a little bit. Um, because you were feeding them your your anti-lottery line. I'm sure I was. That. I'm sure I was feeding them my anti-lottery line. I'm not going to lie about it. But Maybe you should just report the news as it is instead of giving your slant, perhaps. Well, I did. I think I made them informed that, you know, the team with the worst record in the NHL and 
possibly going to have the worst point total in an 82-game season averaged out. It's going to have the fourth overall selection. Again, like I'm sure I did put a little bit of a twist on it, but in the same token, you had people who have never talked or watched a hockey game asking me what's going on and why is this a big deal. So I guess, you know, Grumpy, if you want to look at it from that side, yeah, it was a little positive, but in the same token, I think you got to talking about it for the wrong reasons. It's not always a good thing we're talking about the NHL for. Well, there's that old saying that any publicity is good publicity. So <laughs> you're the of the four major sports when you're number four. Um, I guess you could say that. I like I said, I don't look at it as a negative. I think it just gets people talking about the league. Oh, wow, you know, incredible. We don't know who the first round, but we don't even know which of those teams has it. And we don't even know if this is going to be the final draft lottery order. We don't know. It all depends on how the first round of the playoffs plays out. So to me, that's that's pretty exciting. And it gets people it gets other teams who might not necessarily you know, their season is over, they think it's over, still has interest in what's transpiring. So that's the way I look at it. Okay, Grumpy. Well, yeah, we definitely have a – I mean, like I think we're kind of still on the same front, but in the same token, I don't know. I, I, I guess I, I feel bad for the, the, the Red Wings, but in the same token, they have been such a good team. I know they they've recently fallen on some hard times, but the Red Wings had some crazy good teams for I want to say it was almost twenty years. What they didn't miss the playoffs and was it over twenty years, Grumpy Old Man? I can't remember exactly what that stat is. It's like nineteen or twenty two years. I can't remember exactly what it is. It was I don't you know I don't remember offhand. It was a long long time. Yep. And last year was the first time they missed the playoffs in forever. Um, you know, hey, what does it tell you? They rode the veterans a little bit too long. And they didn't have anything in the cupboard to refill. So it's they were in a total rebuild. Gosh, what does that sound like? I don't know. You know, when you got a whole bunch of guys over 30 playing on your team, and then uh, you don't have the young players or you don't integrate young players, you fall off the planet. That's well, guess what? Well, guess what? The Red Wings won some Stanley Cups, Grumpy Old Man. They're in a completely different situation than us, so don't even try to liken their situation to ours. The, yeah. Red, Wings, the Red Wings have had a handful of, of Hall of Famers that they've drafted in the sixth, seventh, and fifth rounds in the last 20 years. I mean, like you've got your Zetterbergs, you've got your Pavel Dodsuks, you've got a lot of extremely talented players they drafted in late rounds. I, I, I chalk the what the Red Wings have done and what they what they were able to accomplish to great drafting. And you know what? Did they try to go ahead and make a last round pushes? You know, oh, we've got this guy, this guy, and this guy. Let's go ahead and make one more push, one more push, one more push. Sure they did. But when you have those quality players and you have those Hall of Famers and your team has been good for so long, I would have no problem if I was a fan having a little bit of a down period for five or six years because of the greatness they sustained for close to 20 seasons. Yeah, but they haven't won a cup in how long? I mean, how long has it been since they won a cup? Mid to early 2000s. Okay, that's a long time. This is 2020. So you think about that. And like I said, they were a good team, but you know, the wiser thing is at some point in time, you need to cut bait with the older players and do what you can, you know, move the older players, bring in, develop younger guys. I mean, their drafting was non-parallel uh, back early, like when the Uri Dotsuks and all these guys, Zetterbergs, yeah. right, guys they brought in from later rounds. And, you know, when you don't hit on those late guys and you're picking at the you know bottom of the first round every year, you're not going to get the high-end guys. Uh, but at some point in time, you have to realize, okay, let's start moving some of these guys for assets and let's start our rebuild a little bit earlier. 
I mean, I, I think for the last number of years, the last four or five years in that run, uh, where you know they had making the playoffs every year, you could have said they really didn't have a realistic shot of winning the cup. And that's when you, to me, that's when you start your rebuild. Well, again, they they've had a lot of different issues themselves, but I mean, the last time they won a cup was in the 07-08 season. But remember, I mean, Jimmy Howard has had his struggles as of recent, and he didn't turn out to be the goalie that they wanted long term. <laughs> and you know, they've had they've had their issues. I mean, you know, Mike Green signing. I mean, they've had their issues. So, what was that? Yeah, great? yeah, they. I mean, they were just trying to backfill guys. I mean, it doesn't. Like I said, at some point in time, it's not worth trading draft picks just to maybe keep a playoff streak alive when you don't have a realistic shot at the cup. That's all. That's all I'm saying. Well, again, they did win some cups, and I'll tell you one thing. I wouldn't mind it as much if our organization were to do something like that, if they were at least winning some cups every once in a while. It makes it a little bit a little bit easier to, to bear with. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't want to talk too much more about the draft lottery. Um <laughs> <laughs> it's because it's a losing proposition for you. I, I understand. I don't, I don't you know. think it's. I don't think it's a losing proposition. I just don't think. Again, I, I don't want to continue to air my grievance because I mean it's beating a dead horse at this time period, grumpy old man. But in the same token, the Red Wings having the fourth overall selection, like criminal. I, I, I give it a felony. I give it a felony. You give okay. it a misdemeanor. I give it a felony. Yeah, like I said, if if the percentages were were skewed more toward, towards the worst team, uh, based on points. Um, I would have no problem with it. I mean, I, I can see them tweaking it like that, but I don't think they are. I mean, a, I think a they slight like reform, a slight reform, I think would benefit that. And again, yeah. it doesn't have to be drastic, but a slight one, I think, would be beneficial. Um, and I also want to talk, Grumpy Old Man. You said you're reading an article. You're doing some more homework. I know, which might be a shock to some of the fans out there. You're doing more homework, Grumpy Old Man. But um, you read that you're reading about amnesty buyouts. Now we have talked about amnesty buyouts in the past, and we knew that. Usually when the collective bargaining agreement does arrive, there's always some sort of stipulation. We either get one or two amnesty buyouts. Now, Grumpy, tell me what you're reading there. I think it was an Isles, Eyes on Isles uh, article, was it not? Well, it was actually something I was thinking about on my own. I didn't need uh, anyone to bring it to my attention. I had been thinking about it. Uh, for months. We've been talking about this topic now for two or three months. Right. Right. Uh, and the whole thing with the amnesty buyouts, which they had, I believe, after the 2013 season, uh, was because the cap was flat due to the lockout. And the league gave uh, the teams, they had the first year after the 2013, 12 and 13 season, they were able to have two amnesty buyouts. And what that means is you can buy out players and their existing contracts, and they would not count towards your salary cap. And then the next year, you were allowed to buy out one player. And I think if something like that happened, I mean, it would certainly benefit the Islanders big time. It Absolutely. would help them get out of the, the, the rock that they're under with the salary cap for next year. Um, to me, it's that's an easy one. If, if they gave the chance for the, for, the, uh, for the amnesty buyouts, Johnny Boychuk and Andrew Ladd gone. Um, right I, think, I think that I think that's a no-brainer too, because even if you wanted to have more of an old grizzly uh, defenseman back there, you can always bring back an Andy Green guy, an Andy Green type of player for one season. But you're looking at the contract and the term that's still attached to Johnny Boychuk and Andrew Ladd. You're right; that's a no-brainer. I think it's 11.5 million in cap space to attach to those two guys that are, you know, definitely on the downside of their career, where Andrew Ladd doesn't contribute at all. 
or to a minimal extent. And then Johnny Boychuk is definitely at the tail end of his career. Yep. And then if they do the same thing they did previously, if they let you have one buyout the next year, there's any number of um, players who I think would fall into that category. Um, you got yourself a Josh Bailey. Um, oh, grumpy, grumpy, grumpy. You're doing so well. Come on. They're never going to buy out Josh Bailey. Get out of here. Okay, he's making $5 million a year for the and next And he's producing 60-some-odd points. Stop. You well, you know this. what? Yeah, but here's the thing. If you're trying to free up salary cap space, these are the type of guys you have to get rid of. you got to get rid of the older guys who have long-term. Uh, my first choice would be Anders, Anders Lee. He'd be my first choice. Well, here, let's, go, let's, let's discuss this. Okay, and stop throwing Josh Bailey's name in there. I feel like it's, it's, in, every, it's in every podcast thing, Grumpy. No, no, here, but here's why I included Josh Bailey. Because oh, you're crazy. That's no, why, Grumpy. No, because he's got four years after this one left on his deal at $5 million per. That's why. Because okay. he'd be 35 years old when the contract's up. The first guy, I, honestly, the first guy I would buy out, but I know it's not an option for them at all, is Andrews Lee at $7 million per till 36 years old. That'd be the first guy I'd buy out. Because uh, well, okay, that's not that's not the first guy. we. I thought you said the first guy we'd buy out would be Andrew Glad and Johnny Boychuk. Well, yeah, now but you'd I'm say saying, Andrews I'm, Lee? I'm saying for the next I'm saying for the next year. Okay, so the first and second players you want to buy out are Andrew or Andrew Ladd and then Johnny, Johnny Boychuk. We both right. agree on that, right? Because they have they have to me they have no value at all at this point in their career or and limited they're value. Up, they're sucking up cap and they've got some term sell off on their deal. I agree, right? And at their age, um, you know, diminishing returns. I mean, I think we saw this year Johnny, and you know, I love Johnny Boychuk, but we've seen that you know he's certainly taken a, a significant step back this year. So he'd be one of the guys I definitely move. And Andrew, and Andrew Ladd, you know, he's got to he's got to go. Well, yeah, Johnny Johnny Boychuk, his he just can't skate anymore. Is what it comes down. To. He's still physical, um, and they kind of let him get away with some clutching and grabbing, which I am not a fan of in the NHL. And they've kind of you know, and he ruled out of the way. But I think it's because he's a veteran and he's got his name to back his play behind it. But I mean, how many times did we see this season already? where you had a quick, speedy forward just absolutely make Johnny look like a turnstile and like he was, a, you know, I mean, stuck with cinder blocks skating in sand. It, I mean, it was it was countless times this season, and I know we're going to, I'm sure, see it at least once or twice in the playoff scenario. Uh, maybe with fresh legs, he might be a little better. But in the same token, um, Grumpy, I, regarding a possible – next player to buy out you know i mean uh, after the season after ideally you buy out johnny bochuk and andrew ladd i think really you have you have your own option i don't think josh bailey's the guy i could see if jordan Eberle doesn't perform maybe he's the guy too I, there's there's players that are tied to cap and term still left that are producing at a lesser value than josh bailey on this team Okay, so you never you didn't let me finish because I was getting to the list of four who I would consider as the next year buyout candidate. Please go ahead. Josh Bailey, Jordan Eberle, Anders Lee, and Brock Nelson. That's those four have the highest salary cap value and they are old enough where you know that they're not going to contribute down the stretch. 
That's 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 why I looked I looked at those four in particular. I mean, you could say maybe Kyle Clutterbuck. Okay, he's only got two years. He'd only have one more year left at three and a half per. Not worth the buyout option, as far as I'm concerned. Correct, but, I, I agree I, with that exactly. The guy, the buyout candidate, I think. And let's. I just want to backtrack a little bit. The buyout candidates, you want to have a few different things. They have to absorb a significant amount of cap space. They have to have a significant amount of terms still left on the table. And they have to not be actually contributing as to what they're making. Those are really your three combinations of what you're looking for when you're looking at somebody who would be an amnesty buyout candidate. Um, so you're right. I think Hal Clutterbuck with only one year remaining after that, sucking up, I think he's only $3.5 million a year. He would not be a guy I'd consider necessarily. So I right. agree with you on that. But realistically, the four guys you gave us an option with, I, I think Josh Bailey's going nowhere, and he shouldn't. He produces – now, Anders Lee is the captain. I think that contract is really going to be hideous um, in the next few years. It's going to be awful. We are going to be dreading and shaking saying, oh, wow, we've got another Andrew Ladd, except his name is Anders Lee. And we have a guy, and even though he's the captain, he's going to be one of those type of scenarios and one of those cases. He's uh, going to be awful. Yeah, he's going to be 31 years old, and he's going to have five more years left on his deal at $7 million per. To me, that's the guy I would buy out more than the others. Brock Nelson, um, you know, he's shown something. He's a little bit younger. And I don't think that Brock Nelson would be a guy that they would buy out. I don't think they'd buy out Anders Lee, even though I think they should, it's financially feasible. Why? Really what they should do. Um, Jordan Everly's another one. I mean, he would have another three years left at five and a half per. He'd be 32 years old. And then, like I said again, Josh Bailey. Uh, who will also be 32, and he'd have three more years at $5 million per. Okay, Grumpy, Grumpy, let me interrupt real quick. You said that you don't think they should consider either buying out Brock Nelson, correct? Then why well, did you I don't, I don't think they're going to consider. I think Brock Nelson, out of all those players, has shown the most under this current regime. Correct. He hit, again, another season high this, this year, even with the abbreviated season. I don't think he's even a candidate. I don't think Josh Bailey is a candidate either. I think maybe, maybe I think Jordan Eberle is probably the highest candidate. And the reason I'm saying that is because I don't think they want to get rid of Anders Lee because he, quote unquote, is the captain. He's a leader of the team. I think if they had to get rid of somebody, if a guy like Jordan Eberle doesn't perform next season as well, I could see him being a guy as that amnesty buyout candidate. Well, I'll give you my list of my four in order. Number one is Anders Lee. Number two is Josh Bailey. Number three is Jordan Eberle. And number four would be Brock Nelson. They all have, they're all at a certain age. And like I said, with the term and the, the dollar amount, those that's that's what I would do. That's how you help yourself out of cap jail, especially if it's they're just, you know, amnesty buyouts where you don't have to worry about salary cap. I mean, that's when you that's when you dump the flotsam off of your roster, and that's what I think they should do, if it's even available. And it might not be, but like I said, we have nothing really to talk about until the playoffs start. So, why not? Yes, go NHL. Give us amnesty buyouts. Well, here's my thing, Grumpy old man. How many more seasons in a row do you need to see Josh Bailey, full seasons that is, put up fifty plus points a year, earning five million dollars a year, and say, you know what? Maybe that's not a terrible contract. Okay, he was and, number two. He was number two on my list. Number one, and a few. I want to I give you. I don't hold on, hold on. I don't even know how he's number two on your list. I mean, Jordan Eberle. If we're looking at it, and again, I know this is just arguing over peanuts right now because these are just you know hypothetical situations. But Grumpy, 
Jordan Eberle had been non-existent for the majority of this season, and he does not gel well with the with the formations they're putting out there on the ice, and he just hasn't shown it this year. I could see him, if he has another poor season next year, him sliding all the way to the top of that list. Yeah, not me. Anders Lee is number one, and I would give him, if I'm giving percentages on those players, I would say Anders Lee is 80%. Then Josh Bailey would be uh, seven and a half. And then um, Eberly would be seven and a half, and then Nelson would be five. That would be my percentage because to me, Lee's the guy you got to get it rid of. I mean, let's be honest; his numbers have plummeted since John Tavares left, and he's going to be thirty-six years old, and he has five more years at seven million per. And even even since he signed that new contract, his numbers have dropped even further and more significantly since even John Tavares left. Um, I think you're right. If you have an amnesty buyout, I think it has to be, if you're looking at a third candidate, it's got to be Anders Lee, right? It, it, the production just isn't there. He's supposed to be your, he's supposed to be quote unquote, a top line guy. And I get it. He's a captain. He's a great guy on and off the ice. I like him. You know, he's everything that what it embodies to be a New York Islander. But in the same token, you're here to win games and your top line forwards and wingers have to put up points. And when they're not doing that, they're not very useful on your team. Right. I mean, here's the thing. Josh Bailey's not a first-line player. I mean, that's the way I look at it. Jordan Eberle is. He plays on your first line. Uh, Jordan Eberle's point production hasn't been there to be a first-line player either this season, Grumpy Old Man. we got to be consistent. But he has. He does have chemistry with Matt Barzal. I think the anchor on that line was Anders Lee. He, to me, he's the anchor on that line. I mean, that's just the way I feel. Like I said, to me, Anders Lee is my top uh, secondary amnesty buyout guy. The first two are, are easy in, uh, you know, Lad and Boychuk. They're easy. But after that, it's Anders Lee. And then, and like that, he's, and after, and after that, everyone else is a crapshoot. But those are, those to me, those are the three. If there's three guys to buy out in the next two years, it's those three. Well, Grumpy Old Man, I was actually looking back through some stats. I remember that Everly, I think, missed 10 games this season. So in 58 games, he had 40 points. And again, not terrific, but in the same token, that's not hideous. I thought his production was a lot worse than that this season. And, I mean, Anders Lee, again, 68 games, 43 points. is still another 20-goal performance. But you're not. I don't think we're going to see the Anders Lee of the past where he's going to be putting up, you know, 60 around 60 points in a season i just don't see that and again we've talked about it before a guy who utilizes his body and that's a big part of his game is being physical down low redirecting you know passes or shots to the net in the actual goal that's the biggest part of his game and the older you get and the more wear and tear you have in your body i think the less effective you become at that you become with that you don't last into your mid-30s playing that style of game being a power forward it's, you have to have a, you have to have something special if that's going to be the case you have to be either way bigger than everybody else way heavier than everybody else or an extreme superstar athlete and he's not any of those so <laughs> well he's just average he's just he's average and uh the guy the guy was i mean he's any type of players in the nhl is is it's a great athlete but in the same token you're right i just don't think he has what it takes to last long term into that contract and i think there's other rounder fans out there that agree with us we've had conversations with people before off air um, the people that we've interviewed, part of the Islander community, and they've they've agreed with us that 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 contract for Anders Lee is going to be hideous towards the end. So we're not the it's only we're now. not the only people that think that. Yeah, it's bad now. 
I mean, it's a bad deal now. When they signed it, you knew that was a bad deal. I mean, that was terrible. I mean, I, you, we talked about it last offseason. What were the ramifications from signing? And you remember, I didn't think we should have signed back any of our guys who were free agents last year. I would say with the only exception being uh, Jordan Eberle and only because of the chemistry that he had with Matt Barzal. Other than that, I said just invest in the young guys because, like I said, those guys are not superior talents in this league. We have one guy on the whole team who's a superior talent, one. You have to backfill around him. You don't overpay other guys thinking they're going to be more productive than they've ever been in their careers because they're not. And, you know, we kind of are where we are in this boat. Nothing we can do about it now. Well, yes. And you have to figure Except next year. buyout. Yes. Again. I'm changing my mind. We should buy out Josh Bailey three times in the next two years. I think that's wise. God almighty, Grumpy. You know, honestly, Grumpy old man, I hope Josh Bailey for the next the remainder of his contract, you know, puts up on average over 50 points a season. And he is a consistent, a consistently productive New York founder for the remainder of his contract. And guess what, Grumpy? I hope his name makes it up there in rafters just so it could spurn you just a little bit, grumpy old man, because of the hate you send to him. I don't think Josh Bailey's the greatest player since sliced bread, but come on. He, he averages about, in, again, in a full season, he averages about 50 points a year, and he's making only $5 million per against the cap. I, you know, it's, I understand you're not a huge fan of him. But at some point, you have to let that hatred die out just a tiny bit, grumpy old man, and say, you know what? If we're putting up around 50 points a season, despite him being, you know, the quote unquote king of the secondary assists, that's he's, what he is. I'm not saying he's not, but I'm just saying this, grumpy old man. For him making $5 million per against the cap and putting up around 50 points every season, every full season, you know, you, the contract could be a lot worse. Well, like I said, he benefits from playing on higher lines than his talent uh, says he should play. And, you know, he gets power play opportunities. Don't ask me how. And he is the king of the secondary assist. The pound, the puck bounce off his stick, and then, some, then Barzala makes some spectacular play, and it's a goal. <laughs> and, oh, just to Josh Bailey. You know, just, he is what he is. I, I know you, I've always said this. I think he'd be a fantastic third-line player. Because he is defensively responsible, he is a team player, but you don't pay guys like that five million dollars a year for third line players. Well, not if you're the New York Islanders. The New York Islanders pay their fourth line players three and a half, sometimes around three million dollars a year. So Touché. to pay, to pay, to pay a third line, look at that. John Gabriel Pajot is getting paid over five million per two a year. He's a third line center, right? The Islanders do that type of stuff. So to think that you know Josh Bailey, quote unquote, might be a third. He was playing a little bit of a third line shift every once in a while too. To think of a guy that could be a third line winger uh, making five million dollars a year—that's that's not the ordinary for the New York Islanders. And what you're going and here's. What I'm afraid, you know, I like J.G. Pajot. I've always liked him. But what you're going to see is he was getting, you know, first-line minutes in Ottawa. He's not yep. going to get that for the Islanders. His numbers are going to be down. I mean, and just no, just expect that. And like I said, I didn't think it was wise to give him that type of contract extension. But he is only, but he is 27. See, that's a difference. When his contract's up, he's going to be 32. So, you know, okay, then you let him go. But I mean, you're going to be paying Josh Bailey till he's 35, and that's to me that's an issue. It's paying the guys when they're that old, big dollar amount. Well, you know my opinion about John Gabriel Pajot, and don't even get me started. We overpaid <laughs> and over overvalued overvalued a guy 
who had had a career season by a substantial mark, and we just overpaid him. And I'm just like he he was playing top line minutes on the first line power play, playing 19 close to 20 minutes a night in Ottawa, and he wasn't going to get that situation. And we paid for way we way overpaid a guy who's going to be third line center. But I don't want to get into that grumpy. You want to drag me in there, but I don't want to talk about it today. You know, I just want you to admit that he's the greatest number 44 in New York sports history after Reggie Jackson. That's all. What other number 44s have been there in New York sports history after Reggie Jackson? There you go. <laughs> just because he's the only one by default doesn't mean – or the only the one that I can recollect at this time period doesn't mean that he's the best or the second best. Sure, if by your standard, if there have been no other 44s that have been worth it to him since Reggie Jackson, sure, I guess he just by default has to be the, the second greatest since Reggie Jackson. Well, no, the greatest since Reggie Jackson, not the second greatest. Oh, the, the, great, great, the greatest since, since Reggie Jackson. Let me go ahead Reggie and Jackson, misspeak. Yeah. I misspoke. I mean, that, that can be a homework assignment for you. Why don't you scour the New York Knicks rot roster for the Dave DeBusher of number 44s? I guess I'm going to have to scour the rosters of all New York teams for number 44 so I can disprove that point. But, again, yeah. it's not it's not worth it getting into. Again, I what's done is done in that regard. But it's you have to figure next season – the Islanders, if they've got some amnesty buyouts, you've got guys like Oliver Wallstrom who are going to have to get a little bit more of a realistic chance. And there's there's definitely some there's there's some players that have to get a realistic chance that are in our our prospect pool next year for the New York Islanders. It just has to happen, um, and I think it will happen. But this is it's a crazy time in the NHL, Grumpy Old Man. I still cannot believe that a team competing for the Stanley Cup Finals or the Stanley Cup playoffs is going to have the first overall selection in this year's draft. It's gonna it's it's odd for sure. It's definitely odd. Well only if they get eliminated in the first round of, in the, the first round of the playoffs. But if they don't then it just redraws and it's still gonna be one of those teams that was eliminated in the first round of the playoffs. Yeah. Well that's what I'm saying. It's still just odd to think that that's gonna happen. It's the first time it's ever happened. Hopefully it's gonna be the last time it ever happens. But you know they need to definitely reconsider the odds, restructure a little bit with the odds and probability of winning the NHL draft lottery. My personal opinion, um, but Grumpy, is there anything else you want to say before we kind of wrap things up? No, I just hope that we get good news on Sorokin this week. Um, I think it, you know if we can get him in the fold, I think it's great for our team going forward. I think so too. Um, it allows you know a little bit of positive momentum. For I think the team and our, you know the fans too headed into the playoffs again. We're only about a month out, Grumpy Old Man. We are a month out of the NHL returning back to action. I'm excited. Uh, I know there's a lot of NHL fans out there excited. Sports are finally starting to return a little bit to the United States. I I'm elated. That's all I've got to say. I've been watching again. I've been watching a lot of soccer. Premier League just started back up not too long ago, but uh, it's good to see all the sports leagues coming back because. Going without sports for three or four months, that was rough for me. I don't know how it was for you, Grumpy, but it was rough for me. Well, as someone who's able to overcome and adapt uh, any type of adversity, it wasn't as bad for me. I could see why someone like you would struggle. Uh, grumpy trying to take that high ground. Oh, I see you, Grumpy. That's all I can say. I'm happy I'm happy the sports are coming back so you're able to get some semblance of life. <laughs> get back into my routine well thank hey, you grumpy old man for being a part of the podcast as always is there anything else you want to say before we wrap things up no sir 
All righty. Thank you. And then thank you to the Hockey Podcast Network. Again, they allow us to have the Never Say Die podcast on every single platform you listen to your podcast. So whether it be a SoundCloud, Apple iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere you listen to your podcast, you can find the Hockey Podcast Net- Network's version of the Never Say Die podcast. But thank you so much again, Grumpy Old Man. My pleasure.